Good morning, 360 family. It is the historic experience of Palm Sunday. We celebrate that. We honor it. We recognize it. It is an important part of our faith and part of our faith journey. But I hope today that we will see from the Word of God a brilliance in, the, in that event, in that moment, because there were so many things. It was like a it was like a, a spiritual delta, many rivers coming together in that moment that, that really um, not only for us makes us look into history and appreciate so much of who Christ was, but it makes us appreciate who Christ is today for us and what that means. And so today, uh, I'm, I'm praying that the Word of God will just open up to you because there is just some amazing things that happen on, on Palm Sunday. Uh, we welcome you here. As Eric said, my name is Steve McCoy, if we haven't had a chance to meet, and uh, look forward to our time together and, and uh, worshiping, hearing the Word of God, and allowing God uh, to move. Of course, there are historic entrances with a lot of leaders around the world and in throughout history. And sometimes those leaders, people know, and sometimes they don't. Sometimes when you're in the presence of someone important, you don't even realize that you're in the presence of that person. I, I saw an article this week. I don't know if you saw it. I bring up this picture uh, of these two people. The, the lady on the right is a flight attendant for American Airlines. She uh, had worked, she's worked for American Airlines for four years. Uh, she was serving uh, drinks in uh, first class, and she said for the first time in four years, she spilt the whole tray of drinks on the man uh, on the left. The man on the left is the CEO of American Airlines. <laughs> I don't know if that picture was taken before or after the drinks were spilled, because I don't see anything on his shirt or whatnot. <laughs> She had no idea who, who uh, that man was. And in a certain sense, on Palm Sunday, they didn't really know the fullness of who was riding into Jerusalem that day. In a certain sense, there are still some today, maybe sitting here today, that you don't realize fully who you may be uh, worshiping and who you may be following and who we're singing about. And I think that's the power of the, of the Bible, that it brings alive not only the things in our life that are relevant, but also it brings alive who Christ is. So when we think about the entrances, you know, the, some people just by the way they arrive, if they arrive in a limo on a red carpet, you know just by, you, you may not know exactly who they are, but they must be important by the way they arrive. One time I was in Orlando. I was at Millennial Mall and we were coming out and this Humvee that I've never seen one this large in my life, it was like they supersized. I mean, Humvees are already large you know, in and of themselves, but this was like supersized. I mean, it had all the twirly stuff on the wheels. I don't know what those are called, but um, I have them on my car. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I've got a Pontiac vibe. They look awesome on that vibe. I don't know. Have you ever heard of a vibe? Yeah, I never had either. And so this Humvee rolls up and uh, out, out steps Shaquille O'Neal. And, uh, you know, of course, everybody just turns like, oh, this guy's amazing. I'm like, yes, I, I know he's a good football player. And um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's the way it rolls. The reason that people have limos and supersized Humvees and red carpet is because they've done something that's recognizable. 
there's something in their life. They, they are super wealthy. They're super well-known. They're athletic. They're talented. They're a singer. They're a movie star. There's something that uh, allows them to, the right to drive up in, in a limo. When Christ came riding into Jerusalem that day, he, he had the right to come in as a regal entry because of who he really was. He had the right to come in in full array of, of soldiers because he was a warrior. He had the full right to come in with all the, 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 the war horses and the chariots because of who he was. But as we know, Christ came in differently, but he were, truly was a king. And I want to begin to look. We're going to hover today in Luke chapter 19, if you have your Bible with you. If not, you'll see the, uh, the words up on the screen. Feel free to use a, a mobile device if you like. Luke chapter 19 is where we find one of the records of Palm Sunday. Luke chapter 19, verse 28, when he came near the place where the road goes down the mountain, mountain of Olives, I want you to file that, the whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Hosanna to the son of David. I want to stop and take note of what they were saying as we've sung today. We knew that Jesus was the son of God. We knew that he was the son of man. He referred himself as the son of man, in other words, of humanity. But here the people are singing the son of David. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So we know that there was a kingship here. The New Testament begins with these words in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. So why does David keep getting in the picture? Some of you are like, wow, I didn't know they were related, but they, th- that he, Jesus came through the line of David. David came through the line of Abraham. It was a line in context of history that was very important. In fact, if we go back to David's life in 2 Samuel 7, 7, uh, 16, God told David that your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me and your throne will be established forever. Well, David, like any other human being, lived a, a life of, of normal age and then died. Now, well, what do you mean? Was that your son? What he was saying is that his kingdom, who would sit on the throne, would go on and on and on and on. And now we land at the place where that is now becoming true, that Christ, the son of David, was carrying on the throne, and his throne then would last into eternity. So what God told David hundreds of years ago is now coming true. We see in Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 4, some amazing, uh, some amazing uh, scriptures and prophecies because what we see is that David gives us the past, Christ was giving the, the present, and then the prophets were giving the future that Christ truly was king. In the, in the end times, many of you have heard of the battle of Armageddon. Uh, Christ will come in the, and interrupt the battle of Armageddon. And he will land on no other place but the Mount of Olives, exactly where this was taking place. It was significant. And so all things come together. So I'm talking about the delta of all things are coming together on this road to Jerusalem. 
We've just read the story and think, oh, Jesus is riding into Jerusalem on a, on a donkey. Um, and by the way, I've been told this week by our, uh, I'll keep the, um, the worship pastor's name anonymous, but um, I've been told that I say donkey like it runs with monkey. So how do you say donkey? Just say it out loud. Donkey. donkey. Well, uh, all of you are wrong. At any rate, so... Um, he came riding on a donkey. I have to think about it. My southern roots, donkey, donkey. It's easier to say donkey. Um, it wasn't just a story of that. But there was a prediction of the future written back in the, in the prophet, the small book found in the Old Testament is named Zechariah, Zechariah 14.4. And on that day... That's a day in the future when we are at the, at the height of the, of the battle of Armageddon and Christ will come. Then, then uh, on that day, his feet, Christ's feet, will stand on the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem. Then the Lord my God will come and all the holy ones. The Lord will be king over all the earth, verse 9. And, and on that day, there will be one Lord and his name, the only name. I got to tell you, I'm sitting in my little office at my little computer. I had a small worship service when I read that verse. All things will be open. Not everyone knew. He didn't drive a Humvee. He didn't come in on a red carpet. Not everyone understood all the context and all the layer of Christ. But we have the luxury of now standing on this side of history, understanding that he was part of the line of David, the son of David, coming into Jerusalem as the king, as they were singing to him, but it also represents that he was a king coming in the future. And yet Christ, who had the right to come in a much different way, came riding on a small colt that had never been ridden before. There is so much significance in that little passage, and we're just going to uncover it today. We go back to Luke chapter 19 and verse 29. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, and he said to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there. That is a, by the way, a baby donkey, which has never been ridden, uh, which no one has ever ridden, untie it and bring it here. Let me begin with the past. The past is so brilliant. There's off, there are often times on a Sunday morning where I'll say, man, the prophecies of Christ are so brilliant, the predictions of what he would come and the details, and then I kind of skim over and say, hey, we don't have time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unleash a few of those. Because it's the details, if you think that someone could be able to look into the future and give so much incredible detail about Christ and who he was. I go back to Zechariah in chapter 9, verse 9. Rejoice, O greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you having salvation, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal or the baby of the donkey. Hundreds and hundreds of years before Christ entered into Jerusalem, the specifics of how he would get there were actually given to us by the prophet Zechariah. 
Not only that, I've told you before that in the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, we are told we're giving what some people call messianic inclinations. In other words, uh, that's, you know, there's always a fancy word in, in all fields. You know, like when you go to the, the dentist, if they say, hey, we're going to take the big tooth out in the back, you think, I don't know, the God knows what he's talking about. But if they say upper bide cuspid, then, you know, okay, he, that's why we're paying him a lot of money. So uh, messianic inclinations mean that these are pictures of Jesus and who he was all the way back to the very beginning in the book of uh, of Genesis. Now watch this. Jacob was the, uh, the, uh, the, the man that God renamed Israel, and Jacob had 12 sons, and at the end of his life, in the next to the last chapter of the book of Genesis, he's blessing his sons. So he's blessing Zebulun. He's, he's ble- blessing Manasseh. He's blessing all the sons of, of, uh, of Israel and of, of his uh, family. But those blessings were also predictions, they were also prophecies that are quite profound. We can't go super deep on a Sunday morning, but, and, if, and if some of this is like, wow, this is, this is kind of blowing my mind, I'm like, perfect, because the, mind, the word of God is not boring. The word of God is alive. The word of God is three-dimensional, past, present, future. So back in the next to the last chapter of Genesis, when, when, uh, when uh, Jacob is blessing his sons, one of his sons' names was Judah. We sang this morning that Christ was the line, lion of Judah. And because Christ came through that line, of that, that genealogy of the tribe of Judah, and in, in the blessing from Jacob to Judah, I want you to see the unbelievable hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Christ came, Christ was riding the little colt down on, on Palm Sunday, I want you to see the amazing picture of what's seen in the prophecy of Jacob toward his son Judah and the future of the line of Judah. Watch this, Genesis chapter 49, verse 8. Judah, your brothers will praise you. Was he talking about the, the boy of Judah standing right there? Oh, no, he was looking way beyond that landscape. In fact, the name Judah means praise in the original Hebrew language. Judah, your brothers will praise you, and your hand will be on the neck of your enemies like Christ. Your father's sons will bow down to you. Every knee will bow before Christ. You are a lion's cub. Oh, Judah... Uh, you return from the prey, my son. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down like a lioness who dares to arouse him, to rouse him. He is the lion of Judah. Now watch this. The scepter will not depart from Judah. Now I could just stop right there and start weeping, but I know that that may be weird for some of you. But the, the, the marvelous uh, diamond that we're, we have in our hands right now, the scepter, the throne of, 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 through David and the, through, through Adam, Abraham, through David, all, all the way to, to the book of Matthew, the New Testament, right down to the path of, of, uh, of the Palm Sunday. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he comes to whom it belongs. That's Christ. And the obedience of the nations is his. He will tether his donkey to a vine, his colt to the choicest branch. All righty. That's amazing. (laughs) 
He will wash his garments in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes. Wow, that's amazing. Can anybody see that when Christ rode down on that road to Jerusalem, that there was a historic current that could not be stopped? There is no one in history who remotely even comes close to that detail. Maybe today you came in wondering if Christ really is who he said he was. That and that alone is enough. You might remember, I won't spend a lot of time on this one, but when he got the colt, he, he, he said, hey, I want you to go to the colt, and I want you to get one that's never been ridden before. Does that ever stop you? I'm like, hey, what's that about? Um, so as you dig and you look into the, the Old Testament, again, we're just spending a little bit of time on this, that he was not only coming as king, he was coming as priest. What do I mean by that? If you look in the Old Testament, you look at the animals that they often used for sacred, uh, sacred intersections. They said, hey, let's get an animal that's never had a yoke on, that's never been ridden, that's fresh, because it's, it, there's something in the Old Testament that let's give of our first fruits, let's give us something that hasn't been used, let's give it the best. And so when Christ came riding on an unridden baby colt, what was being said is this is a sacred event. Who knew that? Who knew that? And when he was coming in, he was not only coming in as king, but he was also coming in as, as priest. Let me also say that he came in much different than any other leader historically. Most leaders would come in as kings, and they would come in on a war horse. That war horse was trained. This, this, this little uh, colt was not trained at all, never been ridden before. And so when he came in, he was sending a message that I'm not coming in war, I'm coming at this point in history in peace. In that time in history, if a, if a person came in uh, to ride in and they were riding on a donkey, it sent a message. It was like a white flag. Everybody understands what a right, white flag is, right? You raise the white flag, it means I surrender. So when they came, they, they, when, when a, a, a warrior or a leader came riding in on a donkey, Everybody knew, oh, he's not, he's not here to fight. He is here to make peace. Now, see, Christ comes to make peace right now, but in the, in the middle of the battle of Armageddon, and when he comes as king of the whole earth, does anybody remember what Christ will be riding? He will be riding, at that moment, the warrior horse. Woo! That's also pretty awesome. <laughs> Now he's on a donkey. Then he'll be on a horse. And he came in humbly. We go back to Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, and we're going to add a verse. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and having salvation. Humble. Humble. And riding a donkey on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. We've seen that Christ has come because he was promised as the prophet. We've seen him come because he was the king. We see he's coming as a priest on an unridden colt. Only one person in history could ever hold those positions. 
in, in the history of Israel, it was a big no-no for anyone who was priest to also be king. And for anybody to be king and priest also to be a prophet. You might remember the first king of Israel. His name was Saul. It was his big mistake when he was king, and he stepped into the lane of being priest to offer his own sacrifices, and that one says, God, God says, I, I got to give you a pink slip. That's it. You're, it's over here. They had, been a, they had been waiting for quite a long time for the one that could fulfill all of those dimensions, those dimensions as prophet, priest, and king. Now, for, for, for right now, you're like, okay, you're losing me. This means a lot to you right now. And I'll, I'll, uh, the word of God will prove to you why in just a little bit. That Christ just was not the savior of the world, but he was the king, he was also the prophet, and he was also the priest. And we're going to dig down just a little bit in that. But I want to go back to, to King Solomon. Most people know him. Did you know that he also rode when, he was, when David, his father, made him king, he also rode in on a donkey? because they wanted to show peace. But I want you to watch. This is so amazing. I want you to watch how Solomon rode in on a donkey. We're in 1 Kings chapter 33. David said, take your Lord's servants with you and set Solomon, my son, on my own mule and take him down to Gihon. There, so he's being king. Solomon is king. There have Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint Solomon king. Now look at that. In other words, in that moment, we see a three-dimensional, hey, for this to happen, I need a prophet, I need a priest, and I need a king. It was not only a delta of history, but it was a delta of position that when Christ came in, he was prophet on an unwritten cult. He, uh, uh, in history, he was a priest on an unwritten cult, and he was king in, 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 in the genealogy. So this delta that Christ was coming in, it was the one that everyone had been waiting for. He also came in as a, as a common person. Luke chapter 9, verse 30, he told the disciples, go to a village. They didn't ever kept trained horses in a village, by the way. Had he wanted a trained horse, go to the stables. Because back in that day, the common person could not afford anything beyond a donkey. And so when he came riding in, he the, the people said, I can relate to this. Had he come riding in on a horse, people would say, wow, I guess he's high and mighty. I guess this is where we get the saying, hey, maybe you should get off your high horse. Christ got off his high horse, and he became this long-awaited person. Have you ever noticed, like um, on TV, when the president, doesn't matter what president it is, by the way, when the president is going to come and speak, and uh, you're watching a new show, and they've got the camera glued on an empty podium. And typically, you know, they're running late because they've got a gajillion things to do. Uh, this particular president seems to be running, seems to run uh, late to those events. And, and so one, the, the newscasters, you know, they're doing their show. But up in the corner, they've got this little uh, kind of picture in a picture uh, with a picture of this exciting, it's an exciting shot, an empty podium. And it goes on and on and on. And they'll have that little picture in a picture there for 45 minutes until he shows up because everybody's waiting. I want you to just think of history in that way. That of all of history, there's this little picture in a picture. And there's this empty road to Jerusalem. And we're all waiting for the prophet, priest, and king, that one person, to come. We're all waiting, not for somebody that can lord it over us, but come on a common level 
where we can say, God is here for us. That God is here with us. That God is here to, to, to be among us, not just he's coming as a person that we can't touch. Christ, the king of the universe, is riding where common people can see him. It makes a difference. One last thing. I want you to think in your mind, if I could say to you, I want you to think of a miracle of Jesus, okay? I want you to think of that. Let's say you're explaining to someone who's never heard anything about Jesus, and you get, you get to pick one miracle, okay? I want you to have that miracle. You'd say, oh, Jesus did this, and he, and he, and he, uh, you, you have only one miracle that you can say. So I'm going to just, you know, raise your hand or shout it out. What miracle are you thinking about? Okay, not at one time. Sorry. Yeah. Raise Lazarus from the dead. Feed 5,000. Turn the water into wine. Yes. There's what? Raise a little girl. Yes. Cured the blind. Healed the blind. Yes. Healed the man at the pool. They say, yes. So all of these are amazing uh, miracles. I'm going to propose that we're about to see one of the most overlooked miracles that uh, Jesus did. Now watch this. If I said to you, um, let me set it up. If I said to you, hey, Bill, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go across the street. You're going to see a guy in a purple sweater. And uh, he's going to be wearing a Tampa Bay's uh, hat. Uh, He's going to have a beard. And uh, he is going to have a lemonade, half drink. Drink lemonade. Um, and I want you to go over there. And you walk through the door, and by golly, there's a guy in a purple sweater with a raised hat, half drinking uh, uh, lemonade. And uh, you come back. What are you going to ask me? You're going to ask me, what stock should I invest in on Monday morning tomorrow? That's what you're going to ask me. <laughs> Jesus leans over to his disciples. And he says, go to the village in Luke 19, verse 29. Go to the village ahead of you, and you're going to enter it. You're going to find a colt right there. It's going to be tied up. No one's ever ridden it. Untie it, bring it here. You're going to tell the guy, by the way, uh, he's going to ask you, hey, how come you're taking the colt? Well, Lord needs it. Okay, here, here it is. So they show up. I'm just, I'm just thinking, if you're a disciple, you think, okay, oh, that's kind of weird. Let's see, I'm going into town. Hey, wow, there's a colt tied up. Has this colt ever been ridden? No, matter of fact, never had been ridden. Huh, wow. Um, I need to take it. <laughs> Who needs it? The Lord? Oh, there it is. Wow. <laughs> it's a little things we might overlook. Who can do that? In that moment, there was a supernatural something happening. So let me tie it all together, okay? What we've seen is a marvelous context of history, right? I mean, it's mind-blowing. That's all, that's all great. We're walking out the door, and we're going into our cars and into our jobs and our homes and our neighborhoods. What does that, all that glorious stuff mean to us? Let me tell you what it means, okay? Christ, his path was not to Jerusalem. His path was not to the cross. 
His path was not to the grave. Those were just milestones along the way. His path was where he is right now today. Christ is alive in heaven today. He is king, which makes all the, the news. This is what, here's my definition of news. It's all scary. It makes all that stuff okay because we've got a king who is alive and not in a grave, who is the king of the earth. It makes it okay that he's the prophet, that he knows the future, that he's coming back. And as the culture gets, you know, people say, oh, what's happening to this culture? I'm like, oh, you haven't seen anything yet. This is, this is like mild taco sauce. We haven't got to the jalapeno, you know. And when we get there, it's going to be okay because our prophet is coming back. Christ the prophet's coming back. But here's what it means, I think, internally for you. Christ is a man of common people. He understands your grief. He understands your fears. He understands your disease. He understands your selfishness and still likes you. He understands all the angles of your life. You may be a single parent sitting out here and say, I'm to my edge. I'm right to my edge. And Christ, because he's supernatural, has the capacity to be in the inch of your edge. Maybe you're living the best chapter of your life. Christ is right there in the best chapter of your life because he is our priest. It means when we go to the Father, we have a priest for the common people. No religion required. We go directly to him because his pathway was not to Jerusalem. It was to heaven where he sits right now listening supernaturally to the whispers of your heart. I love him. He's marvelous. He's magnificent. But he's also a man on a donkey, our high priest. Let me finish with this. Hebrews chapter 4. Since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, that was his real path, not to Jerusalem. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For see, we do not have a high priest who didn't ride a donkey. We have a high priest who came to be with us in the most common of dirt, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way and seen every hardship in life. And when that says that, I promise you that in three and a half years, I believe that God is calculated. I believe that he is brilliant, more brilliant than the most brilliant scientist. I believe that he makes Einstein look like a two-year-old. He is so brilliant and so, so uh, on target that I believe that it may have taken three and a half years for Christ to experience every hardship and every temptation because the word of God says he understood every temptation. Don't ever fool yourself to think that your temptation, your hardship is unique and that God can't get it. He has come down and not just studied us. He has lived us. And so we, he understands he's been tempted in every way just as we are, yet without sin 
Brothers and sisters here sitting on this corner, listen to these words. Let us then approach the throne of grace with great confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our exact and precise time of need. Oh, he wrote a lot more down to just, it was much more than the story we've read in Sunday school. He came from history, he wrote into the future, and he's in our present in such an intimate, intimate way. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the brilliance not only of your word, but the brilliance of all things tied together from Genesis to Revelation. Where the lion of Judah, the scepter in whose hand will never pass, will come back on the Mount of Olives in the future and everything in between, God. He is there. Thank you, Father, for Christ our King, Christ, our prophet, Christ, our priest. May we thank you, perhaps oddly, God, today, that Christ did not come riding on a war horse. He came to make peace on this earth in this intersection of the timeline of history. He came to offer himself. He came to be approachable. He came to understand us. He came to love us. He came to walk with us. No matter what we're going through, God, we have confidence about what other person in all of human history or in any of our relationships can we say that. So like those standing on the road, on the road to Jerusalem, God, we praise you. We thank you. We thank you for Christ. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you as king. We praise you as prophet. We praise you as priest. And our hearts, God, they rise up to you. I wonder if someone's come in today and perhaps you've come seeking spirituality comes seeking God and and today maybe you've seen a clearer picture of Jesus that he wasn't just another religious leader creating some kind of faith movement but the history behind him validates Christ but then there you are with all this history and all this context and all these amazing things become simple. Perhaps you come today just in simple need of Christ. Perhaps you need that priest. No human being is a priest, only Christ. Perhaps you need that priest that you can say, Jesus, I need you. I want you in my life. Tired of driving my own life, my own thoughts, my own ambitions, my own patterns, my own habits. I want to give that up. I want you to, to, to have those, and I want to have you. Would you say that to Jesus today? He's alive. 
He supernaturally hears every whisper of your heart. Would you whisper him to him today? Jesus, I'm a sinner, I'm broken. You know all of my mistakes. He's there to, to save you even in this moment, not just on a cross 2,000 years ago, but in this moment, he's there to save you, to rescue you from a past, a life of self, and give you a life of purpose, to take all of your, your sin, your mistake, your past, and absolutely wash it away so that you can have a new relationship with God. Is that perhaps the real reason that you came today? To be right with God. Only Christ can do that. Would you say to him in the whispers of your heart, God, I need you. Jesus, I need you. Forgive me through the power of the blood that you, you gave on the cross. Embrace me as a child and come alive in me. You have my heart. You have my allegiance. Would you say that to him for the first time, perhaps? And then, brothers and sisters in Christ, for those of us who have made that decision or walking with him, has your love for him, your praise of him been amplified today? by who he is. Oh God, we love you. We need you. We praise you. We thank you. We thank you in the midst of all of our personal stuff and all of the national stuff and all the international stuff that you are king, that you are in control, that you are sovereign over it all. And so we end this time where we remember Palm Sunday, God, with our hearts lifted to you in great, great honor. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.